granted Matthew um, after 10 days in 2015 um, Greg had a dream and in fact it was a series of different ways God was speaking to us about the importance of Israel and the Jewish people um, specifically in 10 days and, um, and, and also in other ways as well and um, we felt like we need like we felt like God was saying we have to have Jewish leadership within the 10 days movement and um, so like a couple weeks after this I'm, I'm meeting Matthew and we're talking and, and I, I call Greg and I'm like Greg I think, I think this is happening like I'm meeting Matthew Smoller it's amazing and he's like oh yeah well that's nothing I'm meeting Grant Barry and you know and that's where, really where it's at and, and uh, a little paraphrase that's kind of like the uh, message version of what happened and, uh, the distortion <laughs> It's really totally a lie. No. Uh, <laughs> approximation. And so anyway, it's just led into this incredible, uh, great friendship with these two brothers. And we're just really, really honored to have them here. I've learned so much through these guys and uh, just have such an appreciation for them. My heart, I feel like, has even been just re- reawakened or awakened to some of the realities they're going to be sharing about. So without further ado. Thank you, Jonathan. Hallelujah. Since we have the afternoon spot here, I just wanted to introduce you into the Please God You know, um, if you're feeling a little tired, just like everyone and everyone like to stand up and just like shake their shoulders. Come on, stand up. Shake their shoulders. And if you think coffee in the morning is good, you have not tried PG tips. It's the only tea that has please God on the box. When you wake up in the morning, it's kind of in the spirit with you. Please, you may be seated. Hallelujah. And, and when I got here, someone knows I love PG tips because I'm a Brit. And when I got here, someone put this on my bed. So whoever it was, who... who Whoever put this on my bed, thank you so much. You went straight to my heart. You know the way straight to my heart. Well, the first thing that I want to, to do this afternoon, and I just want to invite my beautiful wife, Halle Berry, to come up. And uh, we are going to give out uh, reconnection keys to two of our dear brothers who have gone through the reconnection process. And um, as I'm writing this new book, Romans, I have really labored with this book, and I'm going to share that with you very briefly. Um, The Lord spoke a word to me about three years ago that set me on this path to write this book. And I really wanted to make sure that the book was well written and overviewed by trusted hearts, both on the messianic side and and on the Christian side. So I sent the book out to a number of my dear friends and brothers, and two of them are in this room, Jonathan and Greg, and um, they will tell you that over the last couple of years, since they have been tracking with the reconnection, that sometimes I may have been a little bit pushy, or even a little bit aggressive. Because I love these brothers so much that immediately as we connected, 
There just was a supernatural thing that God did between us, and there's a there's a beautiful unity that Holy Spirit is is birthing between us, especially with Greg's sense of humor. And um, but they will tell you at times I became a little bit aggressive because I love them too much. I've met so many church leaders that as they begin to get the the, as the Holy Spirit begins to unpack this Israel peace to them, they begin to, to, to think about how to slotting this Israel peace into place with other ministry focuses. And of course, there are many other significant ministry focuses uh, in the body of Messiah, in the church. But this reconnection in the one new man has a very special place. In fact, we heard this morning from, from Papa Gaylords about, about the, the heart cry of Yeshua through John 17, unity. Well, foundational to that unity is the love flow in the one new man. And now that Israel has awakened, there is a body of believers, the remnant of Israel, that God is looking to once again reconnect his family to as they were in the beginning, as Yeshua established a beautiful one new man between Jew and Gentile that changed the world, that set the world on fire, that that the power and the signs and the wonders of the kingdom were so upon that the world could not stand against it. Now that we have are shifting into the fullness of God's family, coming into being, the end time harvest, and so it says, all Israel will be saved. There is a remarriage. Now we're shifting away from the time of the Gentiles into the time of the one new man, God must now realign his body. He must realign his body so that we can once again be united as a family, so that the church can fulfill its role to to call on the breath, to call on the heavens with that very cry that Jonathan just focused on, that Israel would be awakened. That the breath of God, man coming into agreement with the heavens for his covenants to his firstborn to be restored, that the bride would be made ready. That the breath would be released to awaken Israel. This cannot happen unless we are realigned back into the one new man, reconnected with our Jewish brethren as family because the word says that we are co-heirs together with Israel. And now that Israel has awakened, there is an Israel for us to reconnect with. And I watched, love these brothers too much not to allow the usual thing that happens with church leadership when the Israel peace comes in is they look to slot it into place with other ministry focuses. But it is at the very heart 
of the power source. It is a golden key for us to realign in the spirit, in our hearts, as family, and to take on the balance of Israel's rebirth and our Father's covenants to restore them as our very own. As that heart cry goes up into the heavens, Israel will begin to awaken. And more and more Jews will come to know the Lord. And God's covenants to them will be fulfilled, which will begin to prepare the bride for his coming. There is a significant role that has been hidden from us up until this time. And it's very interesting, but if you look at Ephesians 3 and the mystery that Paul explains to us about how you guys, the children from the nations, were brought into the family as co-heirs together with Israel. There were two principles. First, it was hidden from prior generations. Yeshua, Jesus, he went to the Pharisees in John chapter 10 and he said, I have other sheep. They must come into the fold. But they could not understand. But now, the roles are reversed. And God is looking to restore His firstborn and work His intercession through us that we would stand in the gap and come into a place of birthing for Israel to come forth. This cannot happen without, in a sense, Ruth remarrying Boaz. There's a spiritual remarriage for us to take place that is in the heart and revelation and understanding in this book that is vital to our understanding that as we begin to move in that very spirit of love that Papa Gaylord released to us this morning, that as we begin to embrace our Jewish brethren and understand that they have a different way of expressing their faith and their connection to the same Father that we love and worship. And they in turn, Jewish believers, embrace you guys. And we come into this beautiful unity. Look out, devil. I would like, Hallie, and uh, if you would, Jonathan and Greg, if you would come up. In the last two years, they will both share with you their own personal testimony. The receiving of the reconnection, maybe it's, it, it, it's a one, two, three thing when we first receive it into our hearts. But then there's a process that needs to take place. There's a washing. It's like a, it's like a renewing of Romans 12. We've, we've had Gentile the, theology for 1,800 years that was rooted in replacement theology. And so there's stuff in our DNA that right now Holy Spirit is wanting to root up so that He can restore us to the fullness of our identity 
because we are going to reign on the earth with the king. And you know, as a Jewish businessman, I, I always say, hey church, I've got this great deal for you. Do I have a deal for you? As a Jewish businessman, you give me a little piece of land, a little piece of real estate, no bigger than the country of Wales or the state of New Jersey. And guess what? Church, my children from the nations, you can have the rest. The Lord is coming back to reign and establish a kingdom upon the earth of which we are His representatives both in Israel and throughout the nations. And it is Jerusalem now that we must begin to contend for. But before, before Israel can awaken, the church must awaken into its role and its destiny and its calling to release the mercy that it has received and breathe it back into Israel. Well, I am pleased to report to you that my dear brothers, who I am now tracking with in the one you man, and Greg and I in the state of Connecticut, during 10 days, we go round as the one you man, as the Jew and the Gentile. And I can tell you, when Jonathan was sharing about mourning, the ten days of war are appointed times. Moed is the Hebrew word there. It means appointed. The heavens are prepared and assigned to move his family. Because remember, the feasts are not Jewish feasts. Read in Leviticus 23. They're called the feasts of the Lord. And they are designed times to bring forth that spirit. And Greg and I experienced in every church, this was the second time I joined him, the second year, I joined him in 10 days. We did 1,800 miles in, in nine days. And, I can, and we can both testify that that spirit of mourning from the Holy Spirit was in every house. Because it's an anointed and an appointed time for all of God's children to come into a place of mourning, not just for our own sins, and heaven knows we all need it, but for the sins of our towns, for the sins of our church, for the sins of our community, for the sins of our state, for the sins of our country, for the sins of the world. These are... Anointed and pointed times. And I can tell you, I really feel when I heard about 10 days, it was like, okay, Albert, you're just moving another chess piece into place for this final piece of restoration. And it is a beautiful time and a beautiful harmony for us to move into. And as these brothers <coughs> took the time to read through the book and give me their honest, honest to heart perspective. And we went through some things, and, the, and, the, and, and, and they brought things to my attention that helped me to edit and make things 
either more delicate or, or easier to, to focus on. But something happened in both of them. When they labored to go through this book and chew this word, they got fully reconnected. And now in their DNA, they have this understanding that the kingdom is to the Jew first and then to the nations. And that as we move out with that principle and understand for the covenants to be restored, the realignment is coming. And so, Hallie, would you do the honors? Matthew, can I just get a bottle of water? No, you don't have to get on your knees. I just there for you. We just want to, to bless you both with... Okay, good. Thank you. We just want to bless you both with a reconnected key. And this is a golden key that we use prophetically. It's the Israel peace, but it's the very peace the church, the Lord wants his church to take and to put in the door to unlock the end time revival. Because the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and end time harvest are intricately linked to the awakening of Israel. So Jonathan, bless you, brother. Thank you. Thank you for your love and your heart, Greg. Brother. Amen. Thank you, Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen. I don't have much time to talk to you about the new book today, uh, but I strongly encourage you to read Romans 9:11. There is revelation in this book from the Holy Spirit. Everything is written in there is from the Word of God, but there's a new way of seeing what Abba is doing during these days. And there are many good books that are written on the, the, the one new man, and I know and I bless many of those authors, but there's something new about Romans 9:11 because it puts legs and a face to what this reconnection is going to look like. The, it's written in four parts. The first addresses all the issues of the reconnection in the one new man. The second part... Part two paints a picture of what a reconnected body of Messiah can actually look like. Of the church embracing the messianic body, of the messianic body embracing the church. Not, not that there is no, there's no, there's no code here that is, that is directing uh, God's children from the nations to become Jewish. We're Jewish in the spirit when we accept Yeshua. We have him living in our veins. But God established Jews and Gentiles within the one new man. And what he's looking for is liberty and love to flow through the olive tree that we can bless one another. Chapter 3 most probably the most controversial and the toughest one for most of you to get through. This book will push some of your buttons, no doubt. These are the obstacles 
and there are obstacles if you don't think that the enemy is going to come against this message and has already sowed huge barriers and obstacles to prevent the church from awakening to this call, we would be ignorant. The enemy has influences, strongholds, and they're over us. They're over our humanity. They're over the way that we uh, allow our eschatology or our theology to divide us and take us away from the greatest commandment to love one another. They're over our emotions with fears and insecurities. They're over us spiritually. And there is a strategy that is unveiled to us in part four of the book where the Holy Spirit is looking to raise up His precious intercessors to stand in the gap for a focus to deal with the strongholds. And this is what I want Matthew and I would like to focus on with our time this afternoon. If you have Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah <coughs> chapter 62. And I want to focus on verse 6. I have posted watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. Church, this does not mean church. I have posted walls. I have posted watchmen on your walls. Jerusalem. It is a city. And it is a city. If you were the enemy and you knew the Lord was coming back to it, where would you put your greatest opposition? We have a body in Messiah that is growing, both Jewish and Arab, that is growing, that is in great need of our help and strength. They are tiny, tiny, tiny minority in the land. There are only 15,000 Jewish believers amongst 7 million people living in Israel. That is tiny. And they are in great need of our strengthening. A picture would be with Moses and Ur and, and Aaron lifting up the arms of Moses that when his hands were raised the enemy was defeated. I believe during this day that God is going to send his church into the land and we are starting to lead missions to release praise and intercession and blessing into the land to strengthen the body there because they are on the front lines. Our battle is to cry for Jerusalem to be readied for the king. And Jerusalem here is not the church. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest and give him no rest till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of all the earth. I want to submit to you this afternoon that there are two prayer focuses for us in this Reformation. And we are already moving into the second focus of this proclamation. You who call on the Lord. Okay. Not all of us are... Who's an evangelist in the room? Hands up. Evangelists. 
just, okay, handful of hands go up. Who's called to share the gospel? Hands go up. Every hand goes up. We are all called to pray, but we're not all watchmen. So 24-7 prayer environments, churches opening their doors to prayer, and any type of prayer, conference call prayers, any type of prayer is good for those who call upon the Lord, for all of us in the church. But I want to focus, and, and God is already doing that, and David's tent is re-establishing, not just in America. In fact, we're a little bit behind the eight ball. God's, 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 uh, David's tent is re-establishing all over the globe. And 24-7 houses are arising all over the place. I, and, and, I, and I bless whatever God is doing in that, and, and any time I can participate, I do. I love Harper and Bowl. I love to pray. But I want to focus this afternoon on a more specific focus that I believe that he is calling his intercessors, his prophetic intercessors to. How many in the room have a watchman call? Hands raised. Amen. About half the room. We're a prayer... We are prayer. We're all prayer ministry here. Everyone in the room is involved in prayer ministry, but about half the hands went up. It is a very specific call, and during this day, I believe that God is wanting to mold and extract alongside the 24/7 prayer and praise movement a new focus on strategic intercession. This is a type of intercession where we don't pray for our Aunt Sally. This is a type of intercession, nor do we put things on a board and say, let's pray for this this afternoon. This is a type of environment, and in the book we call it pure intercession. Because the Lord, and I don't have to, time to explain to you um, how, how the Lord birthed this message in me, um, but... In pure intercession, to summarize it very quickly, it is an environment, a prayer environment that is created for the Holy Spirit to direct his body into intercession. And so it takes on a different focus um, and the prophetic assignments don't come from necessarily here, they come from here, and how we are led into it. And the best way I could describe it is that there are strongholds that exist that are preventing the church and the messianic body from moving into the one you met. There are strongholds that are preventing the church from moving into the prayer movement. There are strongholds that are preventing the church from moving into the fivefold. The Lord said, I will not return until everything is under my feet. How are we going to begin to put strongholds under the Lord's feet? Heaven, as we've already discussed and, and Jonathan briefly mentioned, heaven has to align with the earth. God just doesn't move on his own most of the time. He works through us. And so he is looking to work 
his prophetic intercession and his strategy to address these strongholds in intercession where we have our feet placed. He's looking to raise up an army and it's well described in the book in the in the part four to to put these strongholds under his feet. The best way I can describe this type of intercession is as Holy Spirit begins to bring us into a place of warfare and it's usually in tongues so it's not it's not easily a place that our evangelical brothers can enter into unless they can embrace that gift because warfare often is done in our heavenly languages and tongues are a weapon that the Holy Spirit can work through us to put strongholds under our feet and during pure intercession the Lord will transport us into the heavenly realm and it will feel like you are chasing demons and you will feel the fire of God you will feel the fiery weapons of the Holy Spirit like you're in a chariot David's chariot and the sword is burning in your hand and the demons are running that type of intercession through the Spirit's leading is going to break the yoke and is going to begin to put the strongholds that the enemy has in place under the Lord's feet so that the skies can be opened and kingdom can come more and more on the earth. At this point I want to invite my precious brother, special brother, Matthew Smaller, who is going to continue to share his heart on this particular point. Okay. Wow. What a day. This has been amazing. Um, 35 years ago, this very season, uh, a prophet by the name of Bob Jones came to an apostle by the name of Mike Bickle, who would not want to be called an apostle. We'll call him that for now. Uh, and forgive me later. Um, and he said to him that a comet would come across the sky on May 7th. This was March 7th. He said, this comet will help you pastorally never to doubt again whether or not the Lord was going to initiate this movement. And uh, Joel 2.17, you know, it says that the Lord shows signs and wonders in the heavens and he he, uh, provides those same wonders on the earth uh, to point to something. He's he's speaking a message. He's opening up a secret of his heart to us in a time and a space and he's inviting us to participate. And that sign was the comet, but the wonder was, he said, he's also going, the Lord is going to give you the land of a particular man, Harry S. Truman. And Grandview, Missouri, just below Kansas City, if you're looking on a map, for those of you who aren't familiar with the landscape and the geography of Kansas City, South Kansas City. He said, as Harry S. Truman was a natural political intercessor for the statehood of Israel in 1948, when the nations were voting whether or not, you know, Israel had a right to their own homeland, had a right to become a state, Harry S. Truman 
against George Marshall, his, secret, his general secretary of state, uh, uh, his advice, he said, yes, we need to vote this. And that was the hinge vote uh, that helped establish the statehood. And in the same way as this natural man, this political figure was a intercessor standing in the gap on behalf of a nation and casting that vote for the betterment of Israel, God's covenant people, in a land where we, on our dollar bills and in every other place, trust in God. Um, he said the Lord would raise up a hundred million intercessors. The Lord would raise up watchmen, this movement now, it's bigger than Kansas City, but a movement of intercessors that would cry out for the salvation of Israel. So now we're going from physical, you know, uh, restoration to now salvation as a nation. It's an incredible word. So 35 years, well, I'll say it this way. In 2008, we saw the fulfill, partial fulfillment of that word. So in 1958, Harriet S. Truman sold the physical land of his family's farm in Grandview, Missouri, I believe it's 120 acres, to a Jewish, unbelieving family. Okay? This happened in January 1958. In January 2008, his family got a hold of Mike and some of the executive leadership team of IHOP in Kansas City, came into the prayer room, received a prophetic word from one of the young men at IHOP at that time, and became convinced that they would sell this land to the International House of Prayer. So 50 years, a jubilee, IHOP receives this land through the benevolence of a businessman in Texas who got, who got word of this and just so happened to have fluid Fluid, uh, a uh, million dollars fluid in his account. He always reallocates. He gets, you know, money and then he just reinvests. This was the only time he said where he's ever been in this position where he's had a million dollars in cash. And so that brought that to fruition. That prophecy came to pass. Fifty years to the day that Harry S. Truman sold it. And so we're living in this fruition of prophecy, and yet it, it relates to Israel. We're seeing the embassy being established, and just seven or eight days before the embassy announcement on May 6th, we as a community in Kansas City went out to this land and actually dedicated it, actually prayed over it as a community of people and called out to the Lord and asked the Lord to fulfill His purposes and His plans. And so this is one of the ways in which uh, the Lord is preparing lands, He's preparing communities, and He's inviting them in to participate into this watchman call. And so my heart's desire really was to share that story with you all, uh, to provoke you. You know, I, I really believe um, strongly that the Lord has, he has a message in our, in our lives, in our lifestyle, who we are. It births a message to the, to the earth and our generation. And my, my story is that I came from a, a Jewish uh both, both parents were Jewish in my family. They had come from uh, Kiev in Odessa. They had come out of uh, the Bolshevik Revolution, their grandparents did, and raised us in Chicago in a secular Jewish multicultural kind of area of Chicago called Evanston. And uh, 
saw my house burn down at 12 as I was being bar mitzvah, and saw my parents get divorced when we moved back into the house. So full of trauma, my adolescence, full of confusion and rebellion. And at the seventh year, the Lord redeemed my life with the power of the gospel. It was my three African-American charismatic college roommates leading a campus ministry at that time who were my roommates. They meet me. Who are you? What's your story? Where did you come from? And they proceed to share the gospel with me on Jewish confrontational terms. Did you not read? It was like the road to Emmaus in reverse. Um, hearing it from Gentiles, not a rabbi in a row. And so I end up, there's three days of this in our, in our dorm room lounge. Three days of me hearing this hour upon hour after the classes. You know, we're talking. And they invite me to their midweek Bible study. And I'm like cotton in a dark sky. I'm the only white guy there. I'm Jewish and I'm sweating profusely in the presence of God. It's hot in this room because the spirit is so present with these believers. And I know I'm being found out by the Lord. And there's a message. I'm going somewhere with this. And I end up in that dorm room lounge later that night. And I got on my knees. And I, and I simply I said, God, do you really have a son? Is Jesus really the Messiah? Would you prove it to me? So it was a process of about three weeks of me wrestling through all of my preconceived notions about Jesus. You know, when we had something go wrong or we got frustrated in our day, he was the go-to. Yeah, we, we used his name all the time. I never knew anything good was in his name. So the biggest hurdle for me to overcome ended up being confessing his name. In 1 Corinthians 3, it says that no man can confess that he is the Lord except by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I became convinced. The Holy Spirit filled me. I became convinced, and I had to make my confession known to my parents. And so I uh, received the stigma of the Lord's name through the rejection of my family for four months. And at the end of the four months, I caved in under the pressure, rejected the Lord, and said, I'm done with Christianity, done with Jesus, and I'm running away to a different school by my parents' request. We don't want you going there. You're getting brainwashed, you know? And so, so I, I come up north from the southern part of my state of Illinois to the central part of my state. And I run from the Lord for eight months as if he can't find me. And, uh, and I'm in my dorm uh, about a year and a month later. And I'm watching Christian television. It's late at night. And I'm watching the athletes I idolize. Not rabbis. Athletes. And they're sharing the gospel on very simple terms, and the Spirit of Jesus comes in my room and he says, give your life back to me right now. And so I do. And so the message really is interesting because the Lord, in the one new man, as Grant was sharing, the Lord does not want any favoritism here. This is such a foot-washing experience. It's such a place of being purified and being humbled and even receiving our heavenly identity and, and walking in that as Jews and Gentiles is a constant battle for us as Jewish believers, okay? And not putting the primacy of our ethnic identity above Jesus. But in the process of this journey, the Lord thrusted me to Israel, 10 months old in the faith, to preach the gospel to the Jewish people with Jews for Jesus uh, for two weeks. And then from that experience, threw me into the Salvation Army, the inner city, the young African-American children, the dis, you know, disenfranchised, the, the poor in my city. And then he thrusted me in to uh, the International House of Prayer for a season at that time. Then into Promise Keepers and into Reconciliation Ministry. 
And now back at IHOP with my wife and my two children in Kansas City, helping uh, with the Israel mandate, mobilizing intercessors in the body to pray for Israel and to partner with Jewish believers for the salvation of the Jewish people. And in all of this, what I have sensed in the whole journey of being a believer, and what I sense is such a prophetic call for us, is this Hebrew word, hineni. It's a Hebrew word. And I believe it is, it is the alpha and the omega of God's intimate desire as a husband and as a father. And I believe he shared this with Adam, the Hineni call. And he even called out to Adam. He said, where are you? I believe he was waiting for this call. And the word Hineni in Hebrew translated to English means here am I. Here am I. And I believe the Lord would challenge us today to ask the question, are we responding to this call? Are we stepping in to this call, whether we have information, revelation, or application or not? Wherever we are in this call, He wants us to be yoked to His heart for this earth. And He has, he has restricted His coming. And I believe he has chained the fullness of the love expression, the love revolution, if you will, Gaylord, on this earth through Jews and Gentiles by waiting for this particular cry in Matthew 22, verse 37 through 39, where he says, I will not return until you say, Baruch Hashem Adonai. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, that's not the United Nations. It's not our president. It's not even the church. It's the leadership of the city of Jerusalem. And it's the city itself being gathered like chicks under a mother hen's wings. When a mother hen gathers chicks under her wings, I encourage you to watch a video of this. It's fascinating. One of the most intense, ferocious mothers in the animal kingdom is a mother hen. And you see the storm coming, and this mother hen just wraps them up. And there's no suction. There's no air that can even get through. Not even a chance with this mother hen. The Lord equates his personality to this mother hen when it comes to this issue. It's personal. But the Lord would invite us, I believe, into a deeper place of applying this word hineni, here am I, and saying, how can my... Breath. How can my voice be added to the global watchman call so that you can receive that bridal and that, uh, man, that sonship, that original firstborn, you know, that ethnic call from the Jewish people in the city where you are going to be crowned? That's the question I, I just feel so strong in my spirit as we're here, you know, that as we think about the restoration and the salvation of Israel, we cannot remove Jesus from the equation. We have to get closer and closer to his heart. And as we do, the Lord is going to strengthen and the Lord is going to add breath to our breath. I believe that the Ezekiel chapter 37 breath coming from the four winds represents the nations. It represents the north, the south, the east, and the west of the nations entering in to this corporate cry on behalf of of the Jewish people. It says in Isaiah chapter 52 that the watchmen 
will see in that day when the Lord appears to Zion. Are you ready for this? Are you ready? I mean, just imagine the Star Wars role. I mean, we're, Grant and I today are just bringing you up into this glorious story that has a climax in Jerusalem. And we need to be selflessly devoted to the work of intercession like never before because we are in love with him. Because we desire to see the global cry come forth from every nation, tribe, and tongue. Worthy is the Lamb. And the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. Israel must be brought through the journey of Jesus to have eternal gratitude along with the church as the Lamb of God's blood will be poured out on the altar throughout the millennial age. We'll be seeing the sacrificial offering system. We'll be seeing Jesus' blood. And I believe he is saying to us, can we get a vision for this last harvest, for this last move of God that they would call out to him blessed is he who comes bless his name not curse his name did you know that they changed his name in the land culturally in the last 50 years to Yeshu they've taken off the I the A and and that, that means let his name be blotted out let his name be accursed and I believe we're in the season where the Lord is calling out to the nations, and he's saying, will you be a part of helping them restore the Ayin? And so that's really what was on my heart to share.